Jai Jai Sitchitanya Jaya Nichananda Jai Jai Sitchitanya Jaya Nichananda Jaya Rita Chana Jaya Gora Bhakta Vinna Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama Ram Ram Hare Hare So today I'm addressing the uh, the obvious topic right, when it comes to Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu obvious but at the same time something that we cannot avoid addressing if I want to uh, actually present Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu So I've presented how Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was connected to Veda and Vedic literature and a point or a Vedic culture, yes. And I spoke about Veda and <clears throat> as, uh, as a constant factor and as Vedic literature, ah, Vedic culture as, as a variable factor. And that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appeared to purify the uh, the Vedic culture and to bring it to a point of uh, uh, to bring it back to the real essence. And of course, what that real essence is that is bhakti. Uh, so, uh, so bhakti. Is, uh, <clears throat> is, of course, translated as devotional service. And uh, that's very significant um, because... <clears throat> One second, I am... Uh-oh. I'm opening something up on the computer and... As I'm doing it, I'm waffling. <laughs> we shouldn't do that. It's not allowed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Let me just quickly check the ocean. Yeah. So it was uh, so bhakti described as devotional service. I was just quickly checking if Shila, if it was Srila Bhakti Siddhanta who uh, coined this definition of devotional service. That's what I was remembering, and uh, and indeed uh, I'm finding it here in his uh, in his writings, devotional service. And that is, that's been highlighted as very important, that devotional service is active. And that devotional service is, uh, is not just about a feeling, but it, that it translates into trying to please Krishna. Um, because if it was only feeling, it would be santaras, it would be um, neutral. But that ras, that relationship towards Krishna, that love towards Krishna must uh, express itself in, in dasya, in, in servitorship. And then that servitorship may be expressed more intimately in, in friendship so that uh, one can get very close to Krishna. Uh, because when it's just dasya, then just servitorship, then it's then there's some distance and some junior superior. But when it's friends, then it's equal. So more close, and then parental servitorship, ordering Krishna around, uh, and finally Madhurya, uh, Madhurya, 
the uh, ras of of conjugal love, which where where Krishna is completely uh, completely controlled. Uh, all right, uh, so let me look at my notes because notes are good things. Well, what I thought is like first of all. I'll speak a little bit about the history of, of bhakti. Uh, and we see how that history of bhakti is manifesting in, in scripture. And we also see it uh, manifest in devotees. Uh, and uh, Srimad Bhagavatam particularly describes like uh, how it manifests in devotees. Uh, we find uh, we find Swayambur Narada Shambhu Kumaru Kapilo Manu Pralado Janako Bismo Balivayasaki Vayam. So we're finding the description of the 12 Mahajans in Srimad Bhagavatam. And all these 12 Mahajans are great bhaktas, great devotees. Each one is a great teacher of devotional service. And so they are, um, the, are, they are 12 Mahajans, which are not only like playing a major part in the uh, Srimad Bhagavatam, but the 12 Mahajans are uh, prominent in all the Puranic literature and even beyond in other Vedic literature. And uh, yes, we see how uh, uh, Lord Brahma, in, in Srimad Bhagavatam, there's a passage where uh, Narada, who is the mental son of Lord Brahma, comes before Lord Brahma and he expresses to Lord Brahma how, uh, how Lord Brahma is the greatest personality. And he calls him Bhagavan. And he begins to uh, glorify him for being the origin of everything. And then Lord Brahma says, no, I'm not the origin of everything. Uh, actually, I am the servant of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And he is the origin of everything. Uh, because when it comes to the creation, there is Sarga and Visarga, or the primary creation and the secondary creation. Lord Brahma is fulfilling the secondary creation and Lord Vishnu. Uh, the primary creation then in various Purusha avatars from Mahavishnu to Garbhadaksai Vishnu and so on. Um, anyhow, so as I pointed out, the uh, there is where there is bhakti, there are bhaktas, there are devotees who are um, practicing this devotional service. Um, so now bhakti is exclusively reserved for for Krishna. Um, it's not possible to be a Shiva bhakta or a Durga bhakta or or a Ganesh bhakta. No, one can only be uh, a bhakta of Krishna or Vishnu. Uh, Vishnu bhakta. We find in the prayers that are chanted while circumambulating Tulasi Devi that Vishnu Bhakti is referred to. Yeah. But why why can bhakti not be applied to to the to other deities? That is the question. Uh, because after all, uh, people may have a lot of devotion. Um, well, it begins. It begins with understanding the position of the demigods or the devatas, as it's said in Sanskrit. The devatas, something translated as demigods in Prabhupada's books, that's sometimes a little misleading because in the Greek history, uh, demigods are uh, are, are the are a cross between the the gods who are the devatas and human beings, and 
they, in Greek tradition, they are demigods. But anyway, if we apply that word demigods, um, then it refers to personalities within the universe more powerful than human beings, living a much longer lifespan, and being able to control the powers of, of nature uh, that function within the, in the universe, and that are like agents of the Supreme Lord, but that at the same time are also uh, mortal beings. Although they one day of the demigods equals six months of our time, and then they live a hundred years of that time. Uh, so the lifespan is, uh, is very long. And then, when, and then when we go to the origin of all these devatas, which is Brahma, it says uh, Brahma lives, uh, one day of Brahma consists of a thousand yugas, and that translated to a hundred years is the lifetime of Brahma. So all very long time spans, but still limited by time and still within the confines of time. So that's the first thing about the demigods. So therefore the demigods can only control things that are within the realm of the material energy and nothing beyond it. So we see that, generally speaking, when there is worship, um, that the worship is performed to attain something. Um, and all that one can attain from the demigods is, is some material advantage. Mm. It is said, if you worship the earth and the horizon combined, you can get stability in your post. It is said that if you worship Indra, you can become very powerful at sex. If you worship uh, the Vasus or Lakshmi, you can get material wealth. If you worship the earth, you can get strength. And... Uh, so in this way, by worshiping various uh, demigods, we can get material powers and benefits. And that goes much further than what I just mentioned. Mm. So uh, yeah, these, uh, these demigods, uh, they are then uh, only able to give material benedictions. Therefore, in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna rejects the worship of the demigods and says, Those who are worshiping the demigods, their knowledge is stolen by, uh, by illusory material desires. Hmm. That's the thing. So therefore, there's no question of bhakti in relation to the um, demigods. Um, amongst the demigods, Lord Shiva is, is a unique personality uh, because there are two Shivas. There is Sada Shiva, who is an expansion of Vishnu, of Mahavishnu, and there is the demigod Shiva. After Sada Shiva, it said when Mahavishnu glances on the Pradhana, the potential of the material world, the potential of the Mahatattva, then Sada Shiva becomes that glance. When Sada Shiva touches the potential Pradhana, he impregnates Pradhana with the living beings, and then that Sada Shiva transforms into the demigod uh, Shiva, uh, who is also bound by uh, the limitations of, uh, of, of, of time and material life. Sada Shiva is the Tulak is of course on a, on another level. Sada Shiva is is actually on the eternal Vaikuntha level. So therefore, that's that's uh, there are two aspects of Shiva: an eternal and a temporary aspect. In Sada Shiva, eternal. Uh, so we see that Lord Chaitanya 
is is not engaging in the worship of of demigods um, but he did at times offer respect to to lord shiva we see him visiting a few temples dedicated to lord shiva in south india and also in in varanasi but otherwise uh, lord chaitanya's uh, he did not really although he showed some appreciation for lord shiva he did not really focus on the worship of shiva he focused simply exclusively on the worship of krishna and that is about bhakti uh, because in the worship of 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 krishna um, it is not about return um, although in bhagavad gita it says that there is a reward as you as you surrender unto me i reward you accordingly then of course there is is a reference about uh, the gopis now and how krishna basically speaks to the gopis and says you have given everything and i have nothing in my possession to give you as a reward for your service. Therefore, let the glory of your service be the reward. In other words, uh, the gopis did not get anything in exchange for their love. All they got was, was, was their service and Krishna. And Krishna... Krishna was uh, unreliable, uh, a lampato. Krishna was not uh, not the property of the gopis. Krishna was uh, was found sometimes to uh, to be surrendered and sometimes not. Sri uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu used to uh, listen to the uh, the verses of. Jayadev Goswami from the Gita Govinda to the words of the poet Vijapati and Chandidas and these, po uh, these po uh, poems were very uh, very intimate and, and confidential but I'll read a poem of Vijapati here um, he promised he'd return tomorrow and I wrote everywhere on my floor tomorrow the morning broke when they all asked, now tell us, when will your tomorrow come? Tomorrow, tomorrow, where are you? I cried and cried, but my tomorrow never returned. Vichapati says, oh, listen, dear, your tomorrow became a today with other women. So, uh, speaking about that parakya ras and speaking about Krishna, who maintained relationships with, uh, with, with so many gopis, and uh, and how in this way, the love for Krishna was not granted, and although Krishna was sometimes under control of Srimati Radharani, other times he was clearly out of control, um, as in this poetry. Okay, I jumped ahead a little bit by going to that, uh, that poem. Um, because where I really want to go is uh, very quickly do an overview. Um, bhakti is not new and not invented by uh, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Uh, bhakti is, is found in, in the Vedic literature. Um, it is even there in the in the four vedas uh, for example uh, although the verses in the in the four vedas in the rig veda are particularly more focused on worshiping some of the demigods and getting their blessings still there is a reference also there are some some sporadic references to the supreme lord like the name urugaya comes up in the in the Chaturvedi. And the name Urugaya means that he, it, he is the one who is, is uh, 
is praised by by word and song and song. So our one whose praise is always sung, Urugaya. So in that way, Krishna comes up in the uh, in the in the Chaturvedi, um, and then we have some Upanishads which are particularly uh, dedicated to Krishna. Uh, the Upanishads, uh, like the Gopal Tapani Upanishad, is is describing uh, particularly about the worship of Krishna. Then we have the Puranas and 18 Puranas. And out of these Puranas, there are six that are particularly dedicated to Vishnu. Uh, but there are references in other Puranas also, uh, like the Skanda Purana, which is dedicated to Lord Shiva, is counting as a, uh, as a Purana for Tamasic people. But still we find ample of references there about Krishna, Lord Jagannath, and uh, so there's plenty of Vaishnav worship throughout uh, Vedic literature. There, in Vedic literature, there is the Nigama, these and the Agama. The Nigama is referring to the uh, regular Vedic uh, scriptures, such as the four Vedas, the Upanishads, the uh, Puranas and so on, and the and it says Nigama Gulpatar Galitam Falam Sukamukat Amrita Drava Samyutam Pibata Bhagavatam Rasamalayam Amuhur Aho Rasikabuvi Bhavukaha that seem that of all the Nigama literature, of all that Vedic literature, Shruti Smriti, uh, Purana di, that the Bhagavat Purana is the uh, is the essence. Hmm? Bhagavatam is the essence. Then there are the Agamas, so Nigama and Agama. Agama is, is Tantric literature. Um, tantric literature is, is more dealing with, uh, with the principles of worship. <clears throat> so <clears throat> Some of that tantric literature, there is Vaishnav Tantra, there is Shaivite Tantra and, and Shakta Tantra. Uh, but particularly the Vaishnav Tantra is generally referred to as Agamas. Or also there is the Pancharatra. Uh, so I'll read a little bit from the, uh, from the thesis done uh, by Srila, by uh, Samvit Ananda Das, who was the uh, disciple of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, the history and literature of the Gaudiya Vaishnavas and their relation to other medieval Vaishnav schools, Sri Gauriyamat, Chennai 14. Uh, this has been, uh, yeah, this is the second edition, which was, published in August 2005. Uh, the, uh, in 1934, Sambhidananda went to London uh, along with the preaching party sent by Srila Bhaktisiddhanta, Bon Maharaj, Bhaktivilas, Tirta Maharaj, and Sambhidananda. Sambhidananda was sent to get a, uh, a PhD and in London, from London University, which he did get. And the thesis was only uh, posthumously published. Um, we're reading now from that thesis and starting at page 79. Pancharatra literature. According to Narada Pancharatra, Pancharatra means the fivefold knowledge of the manifestation of divinity by means of his para vyuha. Vibhava, Antaryami, and Archa forms. Um, so, Para, Para Brahman, he is the original form, Lord Vishnu. He is the Vyuha, we have the Chatur Vyuha, Vasudev, Sankasham, Padumnani, Ruda. He has his Vibhava forms, his, uh, his various expansions, and he has his Antaryami form, 
the form as super soul within the heart, and he has the arch of forms. In short, it is some sort of Vaishnavite Tantra system. These Tantra Samhitas of the ancient Vaishnavite are held in great esteem, like the Vedas. The great Vaishnava Shambhu is said to have known it from the lips of Narayan, the wonderful uh, knowledge which is destructive of affliction and of the cycles of birth and rebirth. It was then transmitted to Narada. We can also learn of the traditional account of the origin of this important section of the literature from the Vra Vraha, Vraha Gendra Samhita, that at the beginning of the Cheta age, Ananta, Garuda, and Viswaksena, Brahma and Ruda, had their questions answered by Kesava in five consecutive nights. Thus, thus each of them learned from him the religion of bhakti in the form of jnana, yoga, kriya, and karna, karya. So pancharatra, ratra means night. So we've always wondered, pancharatra, where does that name come from? The five nights, pancharatra. So from this varaha gendra samhita, we're learning that at the beginning of, uh, of the Tata age. Lord Keshava answered questions in five nights to five personalities, Ananta, Garuda, Vishwaksena, Brahma, and Rudra. Uh, and, uh, and these answers, they come in the form of Jnana, Yoga, Kriya, Karya. And it consists of the Satasahastra, or 100,000 slokas. By Kriya, we mean the construction and installation of the temples and images. By Karya, the socio-religious observances as daily rites, initiation festivals, and the like of Varnashram Dharma. Okay. The supremacy of these philosophical and theological and ritualistic books is admitted by the Mahabharata in the Shanti Parva Moksha Dharma, chapter 349. The literature of the Pancharatra is vast. Each of the Samhitas deals under Ajaya's chapters, uh, Patalas and so on with some of the topics of the system. Tradition asserts that the number of these Pancharatric Samhitas is 108, but the list of Kapinjala, Patmatra, and Vishnu Tantra, Hayasirs and Agni Purana comprise 106, 112, 141, 34, and 25 respectively. Narada Pancharatna mentions only Brahma, Shiva, Kumara, Vasista, Kapila, Gautamiya, and Naradiya. Oh. Okay, Dr. Shader furnishes at least 250 names of these Samhitas in whatever form and nine other names mentioned here and there. The number increased in the course of years. They may be divided into the Sattvika, Rajasika, and Tamasika Samhitas, but the Gaudiya Vaishnavas are concerned only with the first name section. The Pancha Ratra. Okay, it's a very expensive explanation, uh, very, uh, but it's, it, it, it explains uh, what it is. So we just mentioned Pancha Ratra. We are concerned with the Narada Pancharatra mentions only Brahma, Shiva, Kumara, Vasista, Kapila, Gotamiya, and Naradiya. Uh, so we're having, and those are the Pancharatras that Godias accept. Um, so it said, the Brahmasam, according to Dr. Shader, Pushkar, Varaha, and Brahma Samhita are the earliest of all Pancharatric Samhitas. So this is important for us because the Brahma Samhita is given so much authority. When Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu went to South India, he came across the Adikesha temple and discovered the Brahma Samhita and, it, and at least the fifth chapter of the Brahma Samhita. Lord Chaitanya danced with that chapter and Lord Chaitanya uh, got the original manuscript from that temple. Uh, a copy was made and a copy was kept in the temple, but Lord Chaitanya got the original manuscript so that he could actually prove that it was not like a newly 
fabricated thing, but that it was actually a historical, uh, historical pancharatric literature that he found. Um, it's important for us to know about this pancharatra, uh, because after all, we are basing a lot of our spiritual life, of the practices on bhakti, of on pancharatra. Um, we are getting initiated according to the pancharatric rules, not according to the Vedic rules. So actually our means of initiation are performed through agama and not through nigama, because the Vedic initiation, uh, where a Brahmana is initiated into Gayatri Mantra, requires many, many sanskaras. But the Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur in his Krishna Samhita raises an interesting point. And he points out that actually only 6% of the Vedic literature was still available at his time. Right? And therefore, it is not possible to perform all the Vedic sanskaras that would be required. Because the, reader, the reason is that that literature is no longer available. So at this stage, a Vedic initiation is no longer possible, can no longer properly be done. Therefore, uh, it is actually only the pancharatric, uh, the pancharatric initiation that can still be performed properly according to scripture, uh, technically speaking. Therefore, in if, if, if anyone who has already received a Brahminical initiation from, from his birth, right, through, a sans, through a family sanskara and, and through an upavita ceremony, um, we're still giving again that, uh, that initiation uh, at the time it, when they um, take a pancharatric initiation in the... Uh, in the Gaudiya Vaishnava Sampradaya. <clears throat> anyway, interesting to know a little background about Pancharatra. Hmm. Oh, something. Yes. Um, so we uh, we have of course uh Vaishnavism bhakti coming up in in uh, in, in, in so many other uh, books in the itihasas uh, which are identified as panchamam veda uh, in the chandokya upanishad as the fifth veda and uh, ramayan uh, Mahabharata Bhagavad Gita. Uh, and Bhagavad Gita, of course, is, is particularly a treatise on bhakti. Um, that is actually uh, the proper understanding of the Bhagavad Gita. The Bhagavad Gita is systematically <coughs> describing the path of karma, of jnana, of yoga, and uh, and then Bhagavad Gita is establishing bhakti as, as the topmost. Yoginam apisarvesam matkateinam taratmana bhajita bhajite bhajite somam samayukta tamamataha. And he's explaining at the end, Krishna's explaining at the end of the sixth chapter, that of all yogis, those who worship me with love in in bhakti, bhajdhatu, um, bhaj is the bhajate, bhajdhatu, or the root bhaj is the origin of the word bhakti. Um, so those who actually worship me in love, bhajate, yes, they are the topmost of all yogis. Now that's the end of the, of the sixth chapter of Bhagavad Gita, the last verse. And then it goes... Uh, into the seventh chapter, so that's the uh, last verse of the sixth chapter. Is the uh, 
introduction to the seventh chapter, and the seventh chapter is particularly dedicated to bhakti. Maya shaktamana, with mind attached to me, maya shaktamana, not just so serving with love, um, this bhajdhatu, this love element, where the heart becomes involved. So devotion is not just a mechanical activity. It is not just ritualistic, uh, like, like the Dharma Shastra, uh, where uh, a ritual is performed and must be performed correctly. No, it is about the love. Uh, it is... Uh, as we are uh, <clears throat> making offerings to Krishna, patram pusvam phalam to yam yome bhaktiya priyatshati, we're offering a flower, a fruit, a leaf, some water, with bhakti, with, with in devotional service, with love. Right? Again, this bhajdhatu, with love. Bhagavad Gita also. Describes Ahamsava Shiprabhava Matasavam Bhavartate Okay, hold on. He says that he's the origin of everything spiritual and material. And the wise uh, who know this perfectly, Buddha Bhava Samanvita. They worship me with love. The wise, they worship me with love. So love is, is the key. Um, and that, of course, is... Uh, it's very obvious to, to us that that is the center of, uh, of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings. Um, and, uh, and we're just looking at uh, the history of bhakti just to see that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is not the inventor of it. Uh, so we have taken it back to the, uh, to, the, to the classical scriptures, and we have made a distinction between Nigama, the, the direct Vedic literature, and the Agama, the Pancharatra, um, which describes... So the Agama particularly describes then ritualistic activities that are taking place in the worship of Krishna. Hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, then we can go to the uh, to the Alwars, right? The Alwars are uh, old devotees that appear in South India, in the Panchadravida Desh. Uh, there are the... India is divided by the Vindhya Mountains, and south of the Vindhya Mountains are the Panchadravida provinces, and north are the Panchagoda, north of the Vindhya Mountains, are the Panchagoda uh, provinces. So all these Acharyas and Alwaras then appear in the Panchadravida Desh. So we see first a lot of manifestations of, uh, uh, at least into this Kali Yuga, uh, we're seeing a lot of manifestations of, of Bhakti in, in South India. Uh, and we see the Alwars in South India, um, who are all uh, amazing personalities. And, <clears throat> and we can one day dedicate uh, uh, a special uh, lecture to that. As we are uh, today, now I do a quick overview, and uh, later I'll have to unzip the overview and speak a bit about, uh, in more detail, about these, these things. Uh, we have the Alwars in South India who are uh, displaying uh, worship of the Supreme Personality of Godhead with love. And, and the emphasis on love is there. Uh, and then we go to uh, some of the uh, great Vaishnava Acharyas, like Yamuna Acharya. Uh, and Yamuna Acharya appeared uh, in the Sri Sampradaya. And uh, we have also uh, Sridhar Swami, the uh, Bhagavatam commentator. Uh, Sridhar Swami is an interesting personality in the sense that everyone 
every party claims Sridhar Swami as theirs. The uh, impersonalists, they claim Sridhar Swami and, uh, and the Vaishnavas and Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is claiming Sridhar Swami and makes a point of it in the Chaitanya Charitamrita that we, in the meeting with Vallabharacharya, that we are faithful followers of Sridhar Swami. Mm. Um, whenever uh, Jiva Goswami is pointing out that whenever there is something that Sridhar Swami says that could be explained as impersonal, that he is simply doing that uh, to bring uh, to bring the prevalent, uh, the prevalent culture on board, uh, because there was a lot of influence of impersonalism coming from Sankaracharya. So then, uh, bringing bringing people on board, right? but uh, and then establishing the ultimate conclusion as very much uh, Vaishnava. And, and that is how the Vaishnavas are seeing the uh, Bhagavatam commentary and in general the commentaries on the Gita is also there of Sridhar Swami. Um, yes, yeah, so Yamuna Acharya appeared in 916, Ramanuja Acharya in 1017 and lived 80 years, became 80 years old, lived to 1137. Uh, no, that's 120 years old, sorry, 120 years old is, a scrap, is given to him. Now, whether he was really 120 years old or not, that those things are very difficult to verify. Uh, Vedanta Deshika uh, also like became a major personality in, uh, in Ramanuja's Sampradaya and there are some writings of Vedanta Desika, and we can uh, we can have a look at them. Uh, I'll quickly open it up for you. Vedanta Desika is then. Uh, let me just. I didn't say that yet. Right. Vedanta Desika appeared after Ramanuja left the planet in twelve sixty eight to thirteen seventy one. So again. Uh, they're, 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 he's also very old, over a century, right? And that seems to be quite uh, clearly recorded, right? that he was over a century old. See, when it comes to Ramanuja Acharya, uh, being 120 years old, it was, it was sort of a practice uh, to claim that a great Acharya uh, lived 125 years old. Just like Advaita Acharya, it said Advaita Acharya lived 125 years, but it's, but it's, it's not sure if he really lived 125 years. Right? Um, some voices say that Advaita Acharya left uh, not so much, left within a decade from, uh, from, from Lord Chaitanya's uh, disappearance. Advaita Acharya was... 53 years older than Lord Chaitanya, plus the 48 years of Lord Chaitanya would make him uh, already 101, right? And then he would have lived within a decade. So he would have like, he could have left the planet by 111, you know, 110 years old. Others have made Advaita Acharya uh, under 25 years old which gives him then uh, basically, uh, you know, another 25 years after, after gives him 53 years before Lord Chaitanya and 25 years after Lord Chaitanya. So he definitely, uh, that would definitely be a long life. So we were looking, we're going to look at Vedanta Desika and I just need to uh, dig, dig it up. Just a moment. Uh, we are going... Yeah. Oh yeah. And while I'm looking for Vedanta Desika, I just saw a book of Gunaraj Khan, which was open, and that is also interesting because Gunaraj Khan also lived in the 14th century before Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and Gunaraj Khan. 
was the first person who wrote a book uh, in Bengali on uh, on the tenth canto, uh, Krishna Lila, and so in this way, he made it uh, very much available to the common people, and then uh, later his descendants, Satyaraj Khan. They are the residents of Kulinagram who come and bring the silken ropes to Puri uh, for the for the Rath festival, and then the discussion comes with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu about what is the duty of a Vaishnava, Niranta Krishna Sankirtan, and Vaishnava Sevan. And I have discussed all that. So Guna Raj Khan is the ancestor of Satyaraj Khan, and Guna uh, he wrote Guna Raj Khan wrote this book called. Uh, Krishna Vijay um, in a book about Krishna's glories in Bengali. Now we are looking for Vedanta Desika. Oh, oh. And it is not opening up now. I want the writings. I found a biography here. But uh, let's just do Vedanta then, because and make it list. See Vedanta Desika. I know I had some. I have some. The question is where. If I can't find it now, then I owe it to you, um, because I'm not seeing it now. No. Ah, here, Sivadanta Desika. So you know the the English is is sometimes a little uh, uh, old British kind of English, right? A little formal, but uh, I can't edit that. You know, like while I'm reading, that becomes a little complicated. So uh, I'll just read it as it is. But uh, so he. Uh, he begins to describe the sandals of uh, Lord Ranganath or the shoes of Lord Ranganath. Huh? Oh, bejeweled sandal of Ranganath, desirous as I am of praising your noble self, let wise sayings of their own accord stream out in quick succession, giving rise to doubt whether there, there are streams of your own nectarine jingling notes, and these sayings, haughty in their unrepeated flow, should impart a sense of fear to the currents of Ganges outflowing the matted hair of the crescent-crowned one Shiva as he nods in appreciation. Though I lack in the merit, divine vision, of great sages like Valmiki, I'm now carrying this I'm now carrying the sandals worshipped by Bharat as my crest jewel. As such and I cannot simply be depart from having all the aspiration of the poets living in the land extending between the snow-clad Himalaya and the Setu bridge of rocks. So it's, it's, it's interesting. Huh? <clears throat> he says, though I lack in the merit the divine vision of great sages like Valmiki, hmm? But he has the vision of seeing that the that the the sandals of Lord Ranganath in South India, Lord Vishnu, are non different from the sandals of Lord Ram, and that Bharat uh, was carrying these sandals on his head and worshipped them as his crest jewel. So now, in the same way, he is looking at the sandals of uh, of Lord Ranganath. So there he is, is praising uh, Lord Ramachandra. 
but there are also um, verses relating to Krishna. Now, I'm not sure how to spell Krishna here. No. After, I'm searching, but I have to get the spelling right. Krishna? No. Okay, we're going to... Uh, So these are focused on Ram. Let's go a little further into the book. Hmm. <clears throat> There are poems to, uh, to various deities, like there's also a certain wonderful lion occupying the Uttara, the, uh, the later northern portion of the Vedas, Upanishads, is abiding towards the Dakshin south of the Vekavati River out of his own will. May he be victorious. Uh. And then, oh, and then there's like 21 verses that Vedanta Desika has dedicated to Lord Krishna. <coughs> and here they are. It is the Sri Gopala Vimsati. I salute that effulgent Krishna, which moves about in Vrindavan, the beloved of the, of the cowardices, which manifested itself on Sri Jayanti Day, and which is adorned by the Vajayanti garland. Hail unto the emperor of the Yadavas, who seated on a beautiful lotus in the midst of a triangle, kept the conch panjana in his lotus mouth and graced Saraswati, who was fond of being close to him. The one appearing in the form of a cowherd lad, whose lips are throbbing with cries, bearing the fragrance of the Vedas, whose eyes are now misty with tears, and who smiles gently the next moment, and who sucked in, like milk, the life of the deceitful mother, demoness Pudana. Him I realize to be the Supreme Person. That the Lord danced for butter and acted in the house of Nanda with one leg bent, the other kept straight, and with the jingling sounds of ornaments mingling with the rhythmic beat of the churning of curds appear before me. He who playfully assumed the form of a coward boy inserted his hand into a pot in a bit to steal the tasty fresh butter. He saw his angry mother at the door. With a rope in her hand, he quickly closed his eyes, overcome by feelings of shock, fear, and utter confusion. He could neither stand there nor run away from the spot, made his protector of the universe, who did not know how to save himself, save us. I extol that indescribable supreme Brahman seen in the form of the sucking child of Vasudev's wife, Devaki, who could even be pierced by the side glances of the cowardices, who is the good fortune of Mathura and one who can be enjoyed by none other than his one-pointed devotees. I'm meditating on that lad who, while drawing the huge mortar, turns his neck backwards as if out of fear of his mother, sports a smile on his blooming lower lip, noticing her absence, and relieves a certain pair of Gandharvas of the curse of becoming tree trees. I always see in my vicinity the youth who, whose useful plays were witnessed by the Yamuna, whose boyhood sport by the twin Arjuna trees, and who is still being searched for by the Upanishads. Mm. I salute that compassion which took human form for some reason, that is to say, Krishna, Sri Krishna, which carries a bamboo flute that relishes the taste of the ruddy lower lip, which appears like a cloud moving in the beautiful luxuriant wood and which is the path that is not far away from, that is a very close to final liberation. May that luster fit to be seen with unworking eyes, which is ever youthful, whose forelocks are engaged in battle with peacock feathers, as it were, and which inebriates 
the senses by its sheer beauty appear in my mind. Let this effulgence protect me with sight glances, uh, which are like lotus born in the river of compassion, which are cool and chanting by guileless smile, and which followed by the sweet melodious sounds of the flute cause a flutter in the hearts of the coward girls. May effulgences, which are like, which are bluish like the interior of a yun blue diamond, having clusters of peacock feathers dangling from the crown with beautiful bamboo flute kept on the lower lip, appear before me at the time of my final journey, death. May I see Krishna everywhere at the time of death. I see at all times without a break the indescribable beauty of that youth whose chest is under the control of his concert Lakshmi, who is the ultimate goal for the desire of the women of Raja and whose charm is beyond the scope of words. By which sculptor was this youth who, had a who has a beautiful peacock feather as his head ornament and who, like the sun, through the lotus-like faces of the lovesick coward girl, carved in my heart. I bow down my head and fold uh, hands in salutation to that magnificent, adorable luster which is dark like collyrium and whose melodious flute is made to play by the jingling bangles of the beautiful Yadava, coward damsels. That is to say, the girls clap their hands, producing beautiful sounds from their bangles, and may Krishna play on his flute keeping the rhythm and beat with those sounds. Hail to the flute, which shares the nectar of the gem-like lower lip of Vishnu, who assumes the guise of a cowherd to protect the entire world. His flute was taught the technique of Lalita dance by the coward girls clapping their hands that became cold due to sweat, and that clapping was accompanied by the tilting sounds of their loose bangles. Hail to that mischievous rogue Krishna who steals, attracts the youth of the gopikas, bedecking himself in a variety of ways. Nangali flower on his ear, radiant peacock blooms in his glossy forelocks of hair, Bandujiva flowers in a thick set of garlands of kunja beads on his chest. Hail to the paramour of the gopis who is dark and beautiful like a cloud and whose forelocks shine with gunja garlands. He has the flute tucked in the waistband, carried the blessed plastic in the sprout, like right hand, and keeps the other hand on the horripilating shoulder of his concert, Nila. The beloved of the gopis, Krishna, looks with half-closed eyes at the gopi who stands in the pratyalita posture, with the right leg stretched in front and the left in the rear, whom he has embraced from behind, he holds the water syringe in his hands and tightens his dress for water sports. May he, the life-saving medicine of the devotees, protect us. Hail to that passionate one who, have, who, having stolen the clothes of the gopikas on the bank of the Yamuna, sat on a bow at the beautiful Kunda tree, sported a smile on being prayed for clothes by the bashful girls. Begs, solibus them to fold their lotus-like palms in salutation. He, who with an unswerving mind reads this hymn composed by poet Venkatesh will visualize the indescribable deity, the beloved of the young girls and who is very fond of the flute celestial. So we can see uh, how much Vedanta Desika is, uh, is absorbed in worshipping Krishna. And uh, in quite a, uh, a descriptive way. And uh, at the same time, though, we also understand that Vedanta Desika is seeing Krishna as the uh, expansion of Vishnu. Uh, he said that also, that Vishnu is manifesting himself as, as, as a coward boy now. Mm. Uh, whereas... We see that the cowherd boy, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, raises that the cowherd boy is the ultimate original personality and that Lord Vishnu is his expansion. So these differences are there between Sampradayas, between the Sri Sampradaya and the uh, ultimate Sampradaya of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu does take bhakti up to another level, uh, to a level like it has not been known 
before. Um, anyhow, so uh, tomorrow I'll continue with this topic uh, on Bhakti because there's so much to say on the topic. Uh, and I thank you very much for being with us today and looking forward uh, to see you once again and then again and again and again and then still again uh, because Nityam Bhagavata Sevya that the this is eternal activity uh, to eternally just describe the glories of Krishna. There is no end. Uh, there is no end. Um, it just continues and continues and continues. Hare Krishna.